We're going to read the closing verses of that chapter, which in the, the NIV have a, a heading which gives us a bit of a clue as to what they're about. Life by the Spirit. What does life look like when we live it uh, in the power of the Spirit of God? So beginning to read there, verse 16, Galatians 5. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since then we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Amen. So Claire and I do that thing that I, I hope most parents aspire to, and that is to bring our children up healthily. Um, and part of that, of course, is healthy eating. You know the drill. Um, if you let kids eat what they wanted to eat, it wouldn't take you to a good place. So you have to rein in some of the wants and put on some of the... So, you know, keep an eye on the amount of chips and crisps and soft drinks, you know, all the good stuff. Uh, we have to sort of keep an eye on that and then wheel out the, the fruit and the veg. For almost as long as I can remember, the, the British medical institutions have been helping us to think about this. So somewhere along the line, I, I didn't research this, somebody came up with uh, this notion uh, encouraging us to have at least five portions of fruit or vegetables a day. Five a day. You've heard of that, I'm sure. And actually, I, I don't know if I got this right, but I, I'm pretty sure I did. A while ago, somebody decided it's time we just move the goalposts entirely and said five a day is not enough, let's do ten a day. Um, to which I'm, I'm kind of terrified by that as a, a crisp and a chocolate staple diet kind of person. Um, so five a day, ten a day, uh, how's that going for you? Um, I'm not going to push that today because actually that's not really my department. That's for you and your GP to think about um, what you're eating and, and how much of it you're eating. Um, that, that's all fine. I'm your pastor, so your, your physical health, although I would care about that, it's not my particular uh, concern. Other people will help you with that. I'm interested in your spiritual health. 
I need you to hear me say that. I'm interested in your growth. So uh, if you've been around here by now, you, you know what I'm all about. I'm all about inviting you to follow Jesus Christ and to grow in likeness to him. So this summer, we're going to talk about spiritual growth, but we're going to talk about it in terms of fruit. And that, that isn't a new idea. I've, I've sort of stolen that idea. Or we're, we're tracking with the Apostle Paul, the passage we read this morning, Galatians chapter 5. He tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Who's ever learned off the fruit of the Spirit? It's the kind of thing people did in youth groups in the old days. Is there a song? Is there? Yeah. We maybe need to learn the song. I don't know the song, and I, I, I've tried this week to be able to rhyme off the nine fruit of the Spirit, okay? So I'm coming from a low place. Um, so if you're, if you're new to this, don't worry. But there's a thing you could do. You could have a go at learning the list. Think, break them down into three threes. That's what I found works best for me. Okay, so the fruit of the Spirit. Forget five a day. This summer, we're, we're all about nine, uh, nine fruit of the Spirit. Actually, there's a guy who, who was into the nine a day. Uh, I was reading a little bit preparing for today, and I, I heard that John Stott, uh, the famous evangelical preacher of the last generation, a man who's probably had more influence on British evangelicalism in the, last, uh, the second half of the last century than anybody else. John Stott, um, he, he used to pray a daily prayer that included a reference to the fruit of the Spirit. So here's his daily prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that this day I might live in your presence and please you more. So he prays to the Father. Then he prays to the Son. He says, Lord Jesus, I pray that this day I might take up my cross and follow you. And then he prays to the Spirit. He says, Holy Spirit, I pray that this day you'll fill me with yourself and cause your fruit to ripen in my life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Every day. People who knew John Stott would have said, uh, many of them I think, that he was one of the most Christ-like people that they ever met. Not surprising, maybe. If a person prays every day over weeks and months and years and decades for the Spirit of Jesus to inhabit them and for the fruit of that Spirit to grow in their lives, that's the kind of prayer I think God likes answering. John Stott, becoming like Jesus. By the way, as I was thinking about this this morning, I thought this might be a good moment to say something about the Holy Spirit. Um, and, you know, we're, we're a church that's come together from all sorts of different places here over the years. So one of the questions I sometimes hear people ask about Kirkpatrick is, what does Kirkpatrick think of the Holy Spirit? Uh, and somebody else might look at Kirkpatrick and say, well, Kirkpatrick's not really into the Spirit the same way that some other churches are. Kirkpatrick's big thing is, is discipleship. Actually, if you think about that for even a moment, you'll realize that that, that doesn't really make sense to to draw a distinction between those two or to make them 
opposites. You see, what the Spirit is about, more than anything else, is to make me and to make you more like Jesus. That, that's what he wants to do. And that's what discipleship is all about. Jesus calling people to follow him because he promises to make them more like him. The way he's going to do that is by giving us his spirit and us collaborating with his spirit to see cultivated in our lives this fruit of the spirit, this likeness of Jesus. So if somebody asks you, what about the spirit in Kirkpatrick Memorial? Tell them we're all about the Spirit because we're all about welcoming the presence of Jesus into our lives and seeing ourselves transformed into his likeness. We've said that making people like Jesus is what the Spirit's all about. Um, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to start looking at the, the Galatians material a wee bit at this point. It's what Paul's all about too, before we even come to chapter 5, chapter 4, verse 19, he gives us this very vivid metaphor. He says, My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth, until Christ is formed in you. Now, he's obviously on dangerous ground there, isn't he? Any men who've ever talked to women about the experience of childbirth know just to go a wee bit easy there. Now, Paul's plowed right in. I, I can't back him up. I wasn't in the room when he did it. He, Paul will work away. But, but he's talking about something that, that just, it, it's the dearest thing of all to him, like, like giving birth. He wants to give birth to people who are, have Christ formed in them. That's, that's what he's all about. So Paul, in my view, Paul is a proper pastor. He doesn't care. I've never anywhere in Paul's teachings seen him talk a whole lot about the size that church communities should be. Paul's not into church growth in the kinds of ways that we normally hear people talking about church growth. Paul is passionate about growth of, of me, of you, of, of, of every person that they might have Christ formed in them. He wants to see people becoming like Jesus. So Paul, the, this, this proto-pastor, this, this guy from whom we learn so much about how to, to plant churches and how to lead them, he says it's all about seeing Christ formed in people. Uh, C.S. Lewis, when he talked about the church, he said uh, the whole point of the church is to form little Christs. And I love that. When I read that and began to understand what he might be talking about, I thought, wow, people who are becoming a little bit more like Jesus. Isn't that brilliant? So over this summer of 2018, we're going to be thinking, as I've said, about the fruit of the Spirit that Paul mentions here in Galatians 5.22. I'm going to get us started with an introduction today just to get, get the idea on the table, and then we'll have nine different uh, addresses over the summer where somebody deals with one of each of these fruit uh, over those weeks. Just before we plow in and, and look at that, that first one on the list, the, the fruit that is love, we're going to try to understand why Paul's talking about these fruit of the Spirit. What, what is he doing in his letter? What's the, 
What's the context in his argument that brings him to this point? So, very, very quickly, who are the Galatians? Well, we uh, should probably have put a, a map of the ancient world up there, the, the ancient Near East, to show you. We did this when we did our studies in Acts over the last couple of spring times. Uh, whenever Paul was first appointed as a missionary to the Gentiles, the, the non-Jews, he went into what we would call Turkey, modern-day Turkey, and there was an area in the northern half of modern-day Turkey, uh, it's not, not a town, but it's more of a district, uh, called Galatia. So Paul's letter is to the, the churches in Galatia, probably made up of Jews and non-Jews throughout that part of modern-day Turkey. A lot of non-Jews in these communities. So Paul's approach in this book, he, he taught them a lot about Israel. He taught them about the people of God that, that we would know about, whose story we know from the Old Testament. They didn't know it, so he taught them it. He taught them about God's great promise. I'm going to bless the world through these people, through Abraham. And then Paul assured these Galatian believers that the moment they put their trust in Jesus Christ, they join Abram's family. They were now children of Abraham, not by becoming Jews, but by becoming children of God, adopted into God's family by God's grace through faith in Jesus. So essentially Paul tells them, if you're in Christ, then you're in Abraham and God's promises are for you. And he says famously, chapter 3, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, there's neither uh, male nor female, you're all one in Jesus Christ. This is what Paul had taught them. This is the gospel that he brought to them in Galatia, and he reminds them of it in this letter. But something's gone wrong. In between Paul visiting and preaching this message and establishing these churches, other teachers have come along and they've said, no. It's not as simple as that. Gentile doesn't get to be part of the family of God simply by trusting in Jesus Christ. For a Gentile to become part of the family of God, they trust in Jesus Christ, and then they do the stuff you need to do to become a, a practicing Jew. So they need to be circumcised. They need to keep the law of Moses. They need to keep the Sabbath and only eat certain kinds of foods and so on. You can't get into this family simply by trusting in Jesus. You need to effectively become a, a Jew in your lifestyle. When Paul gets to hear about this, he's furious. Pa Paul gets angry whenever people take the gospel and they, they add to it or they, they change it in any way. So for the first four chapters of his letter, he's been insisting that, that Jesus is all that we need Anyone who trusts in Jesus, Jew or Gentile, they're, they're free now and they're living as part of God's family. They're free of the Old Testament law. They live by the power of Christ in them. They walk by the Spirit. Put yourself in the shoes of those Jewish believers. They maybe started off as Orthodox Jews, then they'd heard about Jesus and they'd come to faith in Jesus Christ, you can sort of see, you could sort of have some sympathy with them for this idea that, 
that these pagans who have become Christians with us might need a bit of the Old Testament law to help them, to keep them on the right track, to keep them right. You know, if, if they don't, surely they're just going to go back to those immoral lifestyles that they led before. Surely they, they, need, they need these boundary markers that we have to teach them how to live. Paul says no, they don't. It's interesting, it's not very different than the debate that was going on in the Reformation where the church of the time had people bound in all sorts of rules and regulations about how we please God and then Luther and co. came along and said no, it's only by grace that we enter. It's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone that a person is made right with God. Paul says no whenever people say a a Gentile needs to come and live under the Jewish law. He says Christians aren't to live under the law. But neither are they to slide into lawless license either. There's another way, there's a better way, the way that God had intended. Christians live their lives in the power of the Spirit of God given to us by Jesus Christ. So now we're getting to the the part of the book where, where our attention's falling, Galatians 5. So please do have Galatians 5 open before you. Paul spells out what I've just been saying. He summarizes it. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. That's a really interesting command. Don't allow anyone to imprison you with religious law. Almost counterintuitive because most of us are wired to think if somebody asks me to do religious stuff, that's, that's got to be a good thing. Paul says no. Don't allow it. Don't allow a person to put a yoke of slavery on you. You're free. Don't let people take your freedom from you. And he he spelled out that they're free from the law, from its demands, from trying to please God with their own performance. But but what are we free for, Paul? What what is this life that we're being called to? Well, he, he spells that out. We're free now to love, he says. This is how we live without being under law, but without sliding into license, we, we become lovers. Three times Paul references love in chapter 5. Look, look quickly, verse 6. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Verse 13, don't use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Paul says we don't live under law. Well, actually, there's a new law we live under, and it's the law of love. That's great, Paul. You might say, have you ever tried loving people? I've tried. 
When I was younger, I used to think I'd be able to do it. And then after a few years and decades and a few car crashes along the way, I'm not so sure that it's possible anymore. How do we do it? How can unloving people like me learn to love people? Paul tells us again, he says it happens by the Spirit. Three times again, in the, in the, just in the passage we read, he tells us that we do this by the Spirit. Verse 16, live by the Spirit. Verse 18, we're to be led by the Spirit. Verse 25, we're to keep in step with the Spirit. Don't, don't try loving people. Don't try cultivating the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Just please don't try doing that. Welcome the presence of God's Spirit into your life. Recognize your lack of Him and throw your life open. Pray Him into you. And it's only after he said all that that Paul then talks about these fruit of the Spirit. Verses 19 to 21. He's, verses 19 to 21, he spells out the acts of the sinful nature. It's kind of, it's a bit like an anti-list. Anti-fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the not-spirit. And there it is, the list. I'm not going to take a lot of time with it. Folks, if we're going to get this this summer, if we're going to be serious about allowing God to transform us by His Spirit, serious about becoming more like Jesus, we've got to understand a little bit about how this might work. Verse 22, that is not a to-do list, okay? I live by to-do lists. Google Calendar, Monday morning, press a button, see what's there. What do I need to do? That's not a to-do list. Paul's not saying, see all that bad stuff in verses 19 to 21, stop doing that and start doing this. He's not saying that. He's not saying, Moses gave you ten commandments way back in the olden days, let me give you nine. You know, I'll trim one off and I'll rewrite them for our times. Here's another set of commandments. He's not saying that. If we've got to understand Paul, we've got to go with him, with what he's saying. And he's given us a metaphor. He's talked about fruit. And unless you think about the fruit part of this conversation, you're going to miss it. Look at that list. Nine qualities. They're beautiful. I, I, I would love it. You know, I'd love to be able to type those down a page and put a big tick beside each one or score myself at least 8 out of 10 for each of them. I would love that. The, the fruit of the Spirit is singular, so actually that's maybe not a good way to think about it, to say, oh, you know, I'm good at that one. And that. You know, they, they, there's a sense in which they come together. They, these can all, unlike most trees that I know, all these fruit can grow in one tree, and they're supposed to. All right. 
But, but let's, let's take this fruit metaphor to its, its almost its most basic place. It's, it's, a fruit is a natural product of a living organism. Uh, that fruit is what living trees produce. Dead trees don't produce fruit anymore. So what Paul's saying with these, these beautiful qualities is these are the qualities that God's going to produce in a person who's alive in his spirit. The Spirit of God or the Spirit of Jesus will bring these fruit to the fore in our lives. Do you see now why we're, we're, we've got this series on the fruit of the Spirit, but we're calling it Becoming Like Jesus? We, we don't want to cultivate fruit of the Spirit for an end in itself. We're, we're looking to, to become more like Jesus Christ. I'm nearly done, but I thought I'd, I'd tell you a bit of a fruit story. Um, I just, just remembered this this weekend. Claire is away with Patrick at the moment at Elevate, the Wee Youth Weekend that we're running. So that puts Sophie and Ruby in the rather precarious position of being under my care for about 48 hours. Now, we've done this a number of times. The kids still live. They're still alive. But it's, you know, it's had its moments. So one of the things that goes to the dogs a wee bit whenever I'm sort of the parent, the diet just isn't, it isn't all that it could be. So I remember one time, a couple of, it must have been a similar weekend, a church weekend, Claire was away and I had Sophie plus, plus Patrick actually, I think. So I had the two of them and I gave them a great dad weekend diet. So I remember we were arriving at our cottage late on the Friday night down in Castlewell, but we popped in at the chippy on the way. So this is 11 o'clock and we're buying chips. And I thought, ah, oh, Claire's not here. Let's do onion rings. You know, let's go, you know, real proper Ulster onion rings. So that was Friday night. The weekend had hardly started. I, I'm pretty sure it was a Chinese for tea on the Saturday. There, there won't have been any proper food in between times. I, I don't know. I can't remember what it was. But Sunday morning, um, Sophie just leaned over to me and she said, Dad, can we buy some fruit? <laughs> and I just thought, oh my. It's bad when your kids are asking for fruit. It's bad. Can we have some fruit? I want to wrap this up this morning with uh, an invitation for, for myself, but I'll offer it to you as well. Would you like some fruit in your life? Would you be willing to consider growing your character at this point in your life with God? It struck me weird that 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 seems such an unusual question to ask, but I, I don't think I remember asking you that before as, as explicitly as that. Forget for a moment about the abilities that you have or your earning power or your reputation. What about your character? Forget for a moment about what you do and achieve. Can we focus about the kind of person we're becoming? Can we have some fruit? 
Folks, fruit takes time and character takes time. It takes a lifetime of time. But let's, let's get it back on the agenda. This summer, let's have a look around this, this orchard of God's Spirit. See what fruit's on offer there. And let's invite the Spirit of Jesus to come and to inhabit us. Put a new sap in us. New blood in our veins, a new wind in our sails to grow some of his fruit in our lives. That's what we want to think about this summer. Becoming like Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we, we gather together here a lot. We do lots of other things in the church. There, there's always plenty going on. But maybe we lose sight sometimes of the, the very simplest and most profound of our callings. And that's to have Christ formed in us. Lord, I'm going to guess that there's hardly a one of us that wouldn't love to have more of your fruit in our lives. So we say that, Lord, would love to have more of your fruit. But we've come to see already this morning that, that that's not something that can be done while we keep you at a distance. It's going to mean inviting you to indwell us, you right into the core of who we are, the Spirit, your Spirit, Jesus, right into our lives. So, Lord, I'm going to start that prayer here today. Lord, come. Come and move in. Come and move in. Start to take some stuff out of here and bring more of Jesus in. Grow his fruit in our lives and in this church. Amen.